Welcome to Second Chance Church with Pastor Derek Aldridge. each and every one of you that are streaming in. Uh, we thank God for you. Our prayers are with you. God is good. Share with somebody right now. Get on live stream. Amen. 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 Thank God for the deacons passing out from communion this morning. Thank God for those of you that stopped by and dropped your tithes and offerings off, and we just thank God and give him glory that we were able to pass out some water this morning, and uh, prayerfully and hopefully we'll be getting some more here real soon. I want to do something special real quick. Um, I know that a lot of you are graduating. and a shout out to those that are graduating um, this year. I know that you are not going to be able to do your commencement exercises, but we want you to know we love you and we send our congratulations to you today. Um, we thank God for you. Keep up the good work. Stay focused and don't let this season get you off balance. Amen. I just want to say something this morning. Uh, I want to especially send a shout out to my granddaughter, Kayla Wade, all the way down in Huntsville, Alabama. Graduated uh, magna cum laude, amen. I thank God for her. I love you, granddaughter. Uh, bless you, congratulations, amen. amen. And I have something that I also want to say. I have some real concerns about what I'm seeing at the Capitol buildings that are going all across America, and especially here in Lansing. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about people protesting with the semi-automatic weapons on their sides. When we protested um, the water crisis here in Flint, we went down and had a peaceful protest and we didn't try to intimidate anybody. And I think that it's a, a matter of injustice when you get a few people that come down and walk into the Capitol building that represents uh, what we stand for. 
And I know that you have Second Amendment rights and First Amendment rights, but carrying your guns and trying to intimidate our governor is not going to work. That is not going to stop her from helping us in areas like Flint and Detroit that have this pandemic killing us to make your lives more comfortable. All of us should be in this together. And if you're not, and if that's the stand you take, that's the stand you take. But we, under the blood of Jesus Christ, say that you need to put your weapons down and come stand at a peaceful protest. God bless you. We're going to begin worship service now this morning. We're going to start off with communion. Amen. Just give me a second. There, if I wonder what would happen if a bunch of us showed up in Lansing, those of us from the urban communities showed up in Lansing with AK-47s. I just wonder what would happen. We prepare to take the Lord's Supper. Let's all of us focus on our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ right now. First Corinthians 11 and 23 says, For I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of, Lord, of the Lord. A man and woman ought to examine themselves before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. Shall we pray? Father God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this moment. We thank you for Jesus going to Calvary's cross to die for our sins. We love you, Lord, and we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Take eat. This represents his broken body. Drink ye all of it. For this represents the blood that is shed for the remission of all of our sins. Somebody tell the Lord, thank you this morning. 
Turn to the book of Joel, second chapter of Joel. We'll be reading at the 20th verse. Joel, the second chapter and the 20th verse. Thank God for my second chance family and I thank God for all of you that are streaming from all across the country to my family. I love you guys. To all my friends, I love you guys. For those of you that are struggling, we especially thank God for Ken and Harriet and Duane and Christine and we ask special prayers for Mother Cox from our church family. But we all know God can do anything but fail. Joel 2 and 20 says, and keep your Bibles open, and I'm reading from the NI version of the Bible. It says, I will drive the northern army far from you pushing it into a parsed and barren land with its front columns going into the Eastern Sea, that's the Dead Sea, and those in, to, in the rear into the Western Sea, that's the Mediterranean Sea. And its stench will go up, its smell will rise. And he says, Joel says, surely he has done great things. In verse 21 it says, Be not afraid, O land. Be glad and rejoice. Surely the Lord has done great things. Be not afraid, O wild animals. For the old open pastures are becoming green. The trees are bearing their fruit. The fig tree and the vine yields their riches. Be glad, O people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given you the autumn rains in righteousness. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains as before. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. And then this is what blesses me. He says, I will pay you the years the locusts have eaten. The great locusts and the young locusts, the other locusts and the locusts that swarm my great army that I sent among you. He said, you will have plenty to eat until you are full. And when you praise the name of the Lord, your God, who has worked wonders to you, never again will my people be shamed. Amen. Let me first preface this message by saying that this second chapter of Joel deals specifically with what is known as the day of the Lord, the day of Yahweh, the day of Jehovah. This is a period of time when God passes judgment on the wicked and he saves the righteous. And over the course of the history, the Bible shows us over and over again where God passes judgment 
over unbelievers and those that have turned their backs on him in order to get them to come back to him with a spirit of humility and to serve out his will on this earth. So this chapter also is a reminder that Jesus Christ is coming back one day. So we all better get ready. So last Sunday, Paul told, told us in Romans that we, we have to make it. So the question on the floor this morning is why do we have to make it? And I'm going to tell you the reason we have to make it is because things are going to get better or it's about to turn around in your life. Tell somebody it's about to turn around in your life. Among the many lessons that we learn as children of God is the fact that since God is still on the throne, whatever we are going through is always going to work out. What the world may find as terminal, God still says is temporary. Whatever we find out, uh, whatever we find ourselves in God, whatever we find ourselves in God, we know that God has the power to bring us out of any situation. The prophet Joel is on an assignment to remind the children of Israel that the reason that they were going through struggles was because they had distanced themselves from God. Joel reminds them that God is a covenant God. Covenant is unilateral. It's not one-sided. And God always does what he promised that he will do. If you demonstrate spiritual accountability, if you do your part, God has the power to turn any situation around in your life. I want you to know this morning that if you had any clue of what God is getting ready to do, you would get up and start running a lap around your house right now. You would just jump up, start running around, knock over chairs, knock over tables, because God is getting ready to do something awesome in your life right now. You tuned in today because this word is confirmation for you that God is about to turn it around. I don't care what it is. I don't care what it looks like. While some of you are sitting in this service, God is going to turn some things around in your life. The, the prophet Joel has an assignment to tell God's people that judgment has come against them. Joel's assignment was to let them know if they wanted the famine to cease, if they wanted to experience fruitfulness and the blessings of the Lord, then they would have to repent. Somebody say repent. As a result, the people heed the voice of the prophet. Listen to what it says. They heed the voice of the prophet. They heed the voice of the prophet. They don't heed the voice of the scientists. They heed the voice of the prophet. They don't heed the voice of the president. They heed the voice of the prophet. They heed the voice of the man sent by God and the turnaround begins. But before the turnaround can begin, the first thing that has to be removed are stumbling blocks. Because we all have stumbling blocks. All of us have areas in our lives where the enemy attacks us. Stumbling blocks are always temporary. And the assignment of a stumbling block is to stop you from getting to your next move. They aren't roadblocks. Because roadblocks make you turn around and go a different direction. They're just stumbling blocks, just temporary stumbling blocks. And in this text, the enemy was the northern army that was sent by God as judgment against Israel. God knew that the northern, the northern army was there to oppress them, to hinder them. 
But God says, even though I sent them, I will remove them. In a real sense, God says, I'm handling what's been handling you. Remember, God always has a plan and a strategy. When you are in Christ, you must understand that God is the strategy and God is the source to help you and I overcome any stumbling block that might be in our way. The Northern Army had more resources. They had military might. So they used what they thought was to their advantage to inflict plain and take away material possessions away from God's people. So God says, I'm going to make an example out of the people that did you wrong. God says, I'm going to fix it. Where stuff that's been handling you for years, you're going to handle it. God says, I'm getting ready to drive some things out. Some of you have been questioning yourself. Some of you have been asking yourself the question, how am I going to get through this? How am I going to get through that? How am I going to get over these stumbling blocks? God says, stop trying to figure it out. I'm going to drive it out. I'm going to take some things out of your life that's been keeping you up all night. I'm going to remove things that have been running your credit up. I'm about to push it out. Because I, God says, I can't have anything standing in the way of where I'm about to take you. Somebody listening right now is a witness that God can drive it out. Anything that you're going through, God can drive it out. He can drive out depression. He can drive out low self-esteem. He can drive out fake friends. He can drive out cancer. He can drive out diabetes. He can drive out fear. He can drive out the spirit of stupidity. I don't care how smart you think the scientists are. God is the only one that can drive out COVID. Somebody say, Lord, drive it out. Text somebody and say, Lord, drive it out. Drive it out, Lord. Drive it out. Drive it out. And so the thing that the children of Israel could celebrate, the shouting news after all they had gone through, is the fact that God was driving the enemy out and there was going to be some survivors that would be able to testify about the goodness of God. I'm in the text. The Bible says here in verse 20, I will drive the northern army away far from you, pushing it into a parched and barren land with its front columns going into the eastern sea and those in the rear into the western sea. And its stench will go up. Its smell will rise. God says, because of all the terrible things that they did to you, I'm going to fix it where you're going to be able to see it. See, some of you don't give yourself enough credit because all the tests and all the struggles that you've gone through, you don't realize by you simply showing up on this Sunday morning is evidence that God is going to turn your situation around. People look at you and talk to you and talk to you and have no idea of some of the stuff you've been through. But Revelations 12 and 11 reminds us, it says that they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. See, God did not do this for your benefit alone. He did it for your witnesses, for the people that hang around you. 
In other words, God is not bringing you out to be quiet. God is keeping you so you can tell somebody else how he brought you out. I want you right now to text somebody and tell them, I got a testimony. I'll call you later. i text them and tell them, I got a testimony. What's my testimony? I was hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. I was persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, down, but not destroyed. So when all hell breaks out in my life, excuse me if I count it all joy when I fall into diverse temptations. When you reflect over your life and all the things that you've been through, you can still say this one thing, I'm still here. I may not have everything I want, but I'm still here. I may, have, I may not have the people that I started with, but I'm still here. Is there anybody listening this morning that has a testimony that after all I've been through, I'm, I'm still here? Somebody that's been to bed, hell and back, but you can still say, I'm still here. God says, listen, there's a turnaround coming in your direction. Verse 21 says, be not afraid, O land. Be glad and rejoice. For the Lord has done great things. What I don't want you to miss is that this is your season to rejoice. Embrace rejoicing. If you look carefully at the text, verse 21 says, don't be scared. Be glad and rejoice because the Lord has done great things. Now, in order to appreciate that verse, you have to look at the B portion of verse 20. It says, your enemy's stench will come up, its smell will rise, because he has done great things. In other words, the enemy did stuff to you, but while the enemy was doing stuff to you, God was doing great things for you. Don't get so caught up in what the devil did to you that you miss what God is doing for you. I need somebody that can rejoice in this season. I need somebody that will say, I don't how, care how crazy the season has been. I don't care how many friends I've lost. I will still rejoice because the Lord has done great things for me. One reason you need to rejoice is because God is about to make some stuff happen on your behalf. God has never allowed us to stay in a bad space because he cares too much about us. He is invested in our future. Isaiah 59 and 1 says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save you, nor his ear too dull to hear you. But it was your sins that had separated you from God. Your sins had hidden his face from you. Here's the problem. The, the, the children of Israel were not crying out to God. The problem is that sin separated them from the answer. See, there's nothing wrong with your cell phone. The problem is that you're not lined up with the tower. You, you're out of coverage. God didn't move. You moved. I'm trying to help somebody this morning. You have to get back in proper alignment with God. And that's what Joel is saying in verse 12 and 13. He says, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. Let me tell you something. When you turn your life back to God, you'll start seeing all the stuff that God was doing the whole time in your life. The Bible says that the pastures are becoming green. The trees are bearing fruit. Fig trees and the vine yield their riches. See, that doesn't mean nothing to some of you, so let me explain it. 
They're in a fam family. They're being oppressed. So at first the land looks dry. He says, but look, green grass is showing up. Trees are bearing fruit. Vines are producing something. God is making stuff happen because of you. And what you don't realize is that you're about to move from empty to overflow. Yes. I think I'm in somebody's Kool-Aid right now. During the time of lack, during the time of famine, during the time of destruction, God says, I'm going to still fill you with my goodness. And I'm going to break the cycle of lack in your life. As a result of an endless covenant with God, God says, I will never leave you alone. God says, I will never leave you empty. During a time of famine, God always sends a word that something is about to happen. There's one thing to have stuff to show up. There's another thing to have blessings that keep showing up. Okay, I need 10 people to text overflow right now. I just need 10 people to text overflow. Somebody text overflow. Somebody shout overflow in your sanctuary, in your home right now. Somebody say overflow. Watch verse 23. Be glad, O people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the autumn rains in righteousness. He sent you abundant showers, both in autumn and spring rains as before. Verse 24 says, the threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. See, the vats were empty because there was no rain. But God says that every space that was empty is about to be full. Now, this is the part that's about to turn everything around for you. Because my Bible says rejoice. Because God is about to give you rain, whether it's in the autumn or the spring. And as a result of everything that was empty, it's about to be full now. Now, what does that mean? What's that mean? What's that mean, Pastor? The former rain is, rain is what's called the autumn rain. And verse 23 says he gives that in righteousness. He gives the autumn rain faithfully. So the autumn rain was considered seed time rain. That's when you can plant your seed. There, there, there's what's called a natural period of gestation, which means that you, when you plant in one season, it's going to sprout in another season. So you had to wait. You had to wait months before the autumn rain and the spring rains. Because when the spring rains came, it said, it's time for you to get your harvest. Stay with me right now. It's time to get your harvest. It's time for somebody to get their harvest. It's time for somebody to get their harvest. It's a natural process of gestation. What God says is because what you've been through, I will shorten the time between former rain and latter rain. So God says, go ahead and put down your three-year, your five-year, and your ten-year goals, and your ten-year plans. And God says, I applaud you for that. But God says, there's stuff that's supposed to happen in five years. I'm going to make it happen in five months. Every space that was empty, God says, I'm about to fill it. Somebody in here needs to receive the anointing of overflow on your life right now. You need to understand that the struggle you had is over. God is about to bring overflow. Can I tell you something? This is your season of restoration. Whatever you've gone through, God has already factored in your comeback. The trauma, 
the pain, the abuse. God has already factored that in your comeback. God could have killed you, but what looked fatal wasn't final. People looked at you, they looked at, a, looked at you like you were a catastrophe, and they said, wow, I'm praying for you, and walked away. What they were really saying is, I can't help you with your problem. Some people will celebrate you, your brief rebound, but they don't think God will give you full restoration. But I'm here to tell you, God will give you full restoration. 2 Peter 3 and 9 says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some of you understand slowness, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God's desire for you and I is that we do not perish. He just wants us to have a repenting heart. He just wants you and I to come back and say to him, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm ready to live my life right. And right there in the midst of the rubbish, right in the midst of everything that the devil did to you, God says, I can restore everything the enemy tried to take from you. Some of you are standing in the residue of stuff people did to you right now. But you need to look at your enemy and tell them, don't count me out because God is not through with me yet. It's not over until God says it's over. I come to tell somebody today that when you have a contrite heart, when you call a solemn assembly with God, God, this is what God was telling Joel to tell the children of Israel, to give God your heart, not your garments. Tell them that when you turn back to me, God says, I'm going to openly and publicly restore and bless you. Some of you need to get ready because he's about to do it publicly. He's getting ready to showcase his love over your life. See, some people look at you and say, say that that just don't make no sense. But they have no idea what you had to go through. They have no idea of what you had to work out with God. See, God is not about to give you some temporary restoration. God is going to look at your life and tell you, well, I'm going to give you double. You know what happens with the world? That They'll say, how much did you lose? What did you lose? And you'll say, well, I lost a thousand. And the world will say, well, we're going to give you 600 back. And you ought to be happy with that. But that will not be your testimony. Because God says, now, I'm not going to give you just what you lost, but I'm going to give you everything you lost plus interest. The Bible says in verse 25, I will repay you for the years that the locusts have eaten. So I just want you to know that everything that the enemy took from you, everything the enemy tried to rob you of, every night that you stayed up crying, all the people that did you wrong, God is about to restore you and make you whole again plus interest. God is about to restore every second, every minute, every hour, every day every week, every month, every year, every penny, every nickel, every dime, every quarter, every dollar. God is about to restore it plus interest. Text somebody and tell them plus interest. Text somebody and tell them God's about to restore me. So now, don't wait till the battle is over. 
Somebody needs to shout right now. Somebody listen today and you lost your job, but I have a word for you today. God is about to turn it around. Somebody's in a financial mess right now, but God is about to turn it around. I need somebody that really believes in God is to open up your mouth and not wait until it gets here. But I need you to rejoice right now because I can see your stuff coming back. I see everything that God promised you about to come back into your life. Somebody ought to give God glory. I want you to stop whining over what you lost and start praising God for what he's about to restore. I need somebody. I need everybody. I need anybody to shout right now. And if you shout loud enough in your sanctuary at home, I'll heal it. I'll fill it. And he'll get his glory. Somebody shout right now. Somebody shout glory. 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 He's all right. Woke me up this morning. Started me on my way. Food on my table. Clothes on my back. Glory. He's giving it all back. He's giving it all back. This is not a season to be afraid. This is just a time to be cautious. And I want to take this time right now. I feel this presence in my spirit this morning. I feel restoration for some of you that are out there this morning. God is so awesome. And he's so good even in a season such as this. There might be somebody out there today that doesn't know him as your personal savior. And salvation is easy as A, B, C. Accept Christ as your savior, A. Believe he died for your sins, B. Confess Christ as Lord, C. Don't miss this moment because we're not promised tomorrow. But right now, we want you to give your life to Christ. And if you want to join this ministry, because I thank God for Kurt Harris who joined this ministry here this past two weeks ago. If you want to join this ministry, you can go on our Facebook page and find out how to reach us and we'll pray with you and accept you in this ministry. If you want to sow into this ministry, you can go on our Facebook page and find out how to sow into this ministry. But I just want to pray with you right now. Because I know that a lot of us are struggling. A lot of us have been sick. A lot of us have been going through a whole lot of things. But God is so awesome. He's so good. I'm told you. So let's lift our hands to the Lord and pray this morning. Father God, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for your covering. We thank you for your healing power. We thank you for touching Ken and Harry and Wayne and Christina. We ask a special blessing on Mrs. Cox. But Lord, we just ask you to go all over this world right now. Wherever this, this message is going out, we ask you to go in every one of the cities, everywhere to one of the homes. And we just ask you to restore and anoint these families. And we ask you to cover everybody with the blood of Jesus right now. And Lord, we thank you for the blessings 
that you give us every day that we take for granted. We're complaining about having to shelter in, but we ought to be thanking you about having homes to shelter in. Thank you, Lord. You've been good to us. You've blessed us. You've provided for us. You sent Jesus to forgive us for our sins. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you right now, Lord. In the precious name of our Son and Lord Jesus Christ, we shout hallelujah. We praise your name. And we give you all the praise. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day today. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to Second Chance Church, The Praise Factory.